Drums, please. And I think we are live. Alex Early, what's going on, brother? Just getting the day going. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's, uh, so I'm on the East Coast here. It is 1130. The only place I could find down the, work with, uh, down the street from my work was this. It's, it's hot here. It's swampy. There's mosquitoes that are going to eat me alive. So I'm going to make this, we're going to try to make this look quick as I survive. Great. You wrote a book called Reckless Love. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, reckless, reckless Love is the latest hotness right now. I even saw on, on YouTube Justin Bieber singing about your book, man. So what do, what do you think about that? Singing about Reckless Love. Oh, I didn't know Bieber was singing that, but that's cool. <laughs> um, Look it up on YouTube. He, he's singing. Yeah, Someone did a yeah. remix of it. It's pretty awesome. Oh, right. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, and your book came out what year? Uh, 2015. Yep, 2015, and then, uh, you know, Corey Asbury wrote that song. It came out, well, like, 2017. So, uh, so anyways, as I was preparing for a sermon a few months ago, on, I was speaking on Luke 15, and that, so I just came across yours, and I, it was from Doxa Church, and I said, man, this is, this is some good stuff. So I, I posted it on my Twitter, and then, and then you had reposted it, and I'm like, sweet, look, I got some interaction here. And then the next week, you said you're totally off social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so could you tell us about that real quick? Yeah. Yeah. And how's uh, that going? Uh, it's been great. I, I don't know. I got, I, uh, a few guys actually asked about that yesterday. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, there wasn't any like one major epiphany or anything like that. Or just like for a long time, I kind of was like, why am I on here? What am I doing? Like, what am I on social media for? Sure. And so I think, I think I was just more or less, um, I was telling my friend Nate uh, Furtado yesterday, he plays uh, bass and mixes uh, in the band Citizens and mixes and makes, he produces oh, nice. great music. Anyway, oh, yeah. we were talking about this yesterday afternoon and just kind of, I was personally like wasting a lot of time like yeah. on social media. Um, some people like my wife have social media. She's a photographer. and sure. so, for her business and things like that. And people get their work out there and their art out there and, and anybody can use it for whatever. For me, I think I was just more or less wasting my time. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it. So I just was like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And yeah. uh, I, I, as a pastor personally, uh, I want to spend more time with people in real life. Yeah. And, um, get together i want those interactions to be more more authentic you know that is when i get together with folks in our church i ask them what have you been doing lately sure because i don't know and they ask me hey what have you been up to because i don't know we have like real conversations and anyway so there's there's things like that that, um i've just personally enjoyed a lot more and just feeling more yeah uh, rather than distracted um yeah. you know i was at a point honestly even looking at my phone where i'd be like sitting at a red light and just like scrolling through whatever on my phone like what am i doing man you can't just yeah you know, for me i had these like couple of moments like i i think i'm i need to just pay attention to the world more oh yeah 
Um, <laughs> so, so that was it. It really wasn't any kind of like major, like gigantic conviction or anything like that. It was more, right. uh, yeah, I just want to. Yeah. Mind and have time in some different ways. Maybe that's, that's the Holy Spirit being like, "Hey, let's just get reconnected with the world here." Yeah, maybe so, that's... is there hope for the rest of like you know the millennial crowd and well, not just millennials, but everybody? Like, yeah, can you? Is there really life after social media? Like, if you get rid of it, <laughs> I can tell you there is. Uh, the first uh, the first couple of days was kind of interesting because all of a sudden, yeah, you know, my phone was like, "What do I do with this now?" Like, this yeah. You, you go to this, dude. Since you're paying for data now, you just go to this. This is this is the freedom bone. That's it. So I think that's it, man. Yeah, there's totally there's life after social media. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't miss it at all. I miss, <laughs> I miss a couple of my buddies. Uh, who, like on Instagram, we'd send each other funny videos and things like. Sure. That. Uh, but my friends will text me that stuff anyway, so it's like whatever. So no, I don't. I don't think I've missed literally a thing. I don't think I've missed one thing. I get an yeah. email in from seattle times and like from the atlantic every morning and i get sure. there's my news feed i get an actual physical you know sunday newspaper and i read the sunday paper yeah paper yeah like i i'm fine i'm fine i'm telling you it's great, <laughs> it's great. awesome so yeah you were on the same page there is life if, if yeah. you get if you get one of these ancient things people are like yeah, yeah. I, People look at this and they go, how do you live? I'm like, I live, this is a freedom phone. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, so you were preaching at Doxa church that, that day that I, that I found you, uh, what's your relationship with Doxa? Uh, so, uh, I'm friends with, uh, three of the pastors over there. Um, Jeff Vanderstelt. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and Donald Zimmerman and Justin Anderson are three really, yeah, they're good buddies. And, um, so we were we hung out on Tuesday. We went to Mariners game. Oh, that's so, awesome! And so you're pastoring now where at where? Uh, yeah, here at a church called Redemption Church. Right uh, about three and a half years ago. Okay. And I joined. I was always kind of like in the back in the shadows, like talking to the guys about planting Redemption, and um, but anyway, uh, I joined the joined the team. Uh, just over two years ago, so the church was about a year in, uh, and then I jumped in and been part of the Redemption family. Right on. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I, I follow you guys a, a little bit, and I, I have read Gospel Fluency like three oh, times. Yeah, yeah, three or four times. I, I lost count. It, it's so good. Now, with, with your in-depth study on the reckless love of God, uh, what's, mm-hmm. the re- what's the relationship between the reckless love of God and in a person's and a believer's freedom in Christ. Yeah, like how are they related? Yeah, like really broad question, but just basically, you know, yeah. freedom uh, and reckless love. Okay, um, I think if I'm I'm hearing you right, well, I want to make sure I'm hearing you right. So I think the ground for Christian freedom is is the reckless love of God. Yeah, um, that is. Uh, like Paul talks about our freedom in Galatians five and right. don't return to a yoke of slavery and these kinds of things. Um, but it, but that's all anchored in the love of God being liberated from the law and liberated from these restrictions. And at the same time, this l- liberation from law yeah. is not a license to go sin, but rather this 
liberation from the law and liberation from a, a legalistic rule keeping nitpicking approach to God. Uh, yeah, we're liberated from that, but but the reckless love of God <laughs> that sets you free from the law empowers you to live a life of sacrifice, a a life of holiness, a life of obedience. It's the ground for Christian freedom. Freedom is not, uh, you know, I get to do whatever I want. And now because of my sin, I do whatever I want. I just charge that his cross. Rather, the the whole concept of Christian freedom is I'm free to to run from sin and to to walk in holiness. And right. to do this, not trying to win the affection of my father, but because I have it. And so I, I can live out of that reality, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. So I think that's what I uh, like, as far as, as I hear your question, how do these two relate? Sure. That's, you know, if you look at Galatians 2, it's very much so um, I'm crucified with Christ. Mm. Right. Longer. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Right. And he loved me and he gave himself for me powerful personal ownership of the gospel yeah that he that jesus gave his life for me as an individual okay um but not just individual but the collective church but he paul was owning that justification for himself but then you make galatians 3 and he talks about christ bore the curse like but whose curse curse you know and so you have this doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement very present. And then you can move into Galatians 4. And right, he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Then you get into Galatians 5 and you can talk about freedom. But there's a there's a progression to get there. Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. Well, what did that look like? Well, he bore the curse on the cross for my sin and was resurrected for my justification. Okay, now that yeah. that's happened, I can have this intimate relationship with God as one of his children, right? He said that in our hearts, Abba, since I'm one of his children, now I can live out this life of freedom. So freedom isn't to be understood, divorced from who is Jesus? What's the yeah. nature of the gospel? What has he called me to do? Right. All, all yeah. this question is directly informed by, well, the gospel itself, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Love it. I love it. Understanding. So something like that is, I think. Yeah. So you know what wrecked me was when I was studying Luke 15 and I'm reading, I'm reading reckless love. I'm thinking that the father in the story um, exemplifies the freedom of, I don't need anything from my son and I'm just going to keep pouring into him. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, what's lost my question here, but, but is that, yeah, that, that, there it is. Does, does freedom in parenting mean I don't need anything from my son, and if he wants to go squander and just go wreck his life, right. um, is freedom for me, well, then I'm just going to totally let him go. Right. Totally let him disrespect me and say, give me my share of the inheritance. I'm out of here. Do I, as a father, as a parent, are we supposed to, no, 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 you're under my, my house, or does freedom look like, all right, son, go ahead. Yeah. Squander our wealth. Yeah. Uh, that's a hard one uh, <laughs> because there, someone could easily charge the father in that parable with uh, carelessness 
and um recklessness yeah yeah and and to go okay so i guess this father's kind of a deadbeat he knows his son's gonna go wreck everything yeah really doesn't have any character he's asking for an inheritance while the father's alive the son has no character or integrity or yeah to the family so is that it, it's easy to for someone to jump toward and go there's something wrong with the father in this situation if he lets the kid go at the same time it is a parable and where this is not to be the the end all it's like well what's the what's the what's the parable trying to communicate is it really trying to communicate uh parenting techniques what's the intention of this text yeah like well no no that's not really a parenting technique text uh it's the whole point of that parable is Jesus is putting Pharisees in their place because they're grumbling about Jesus's friends and Jesus eating with the unclean and he welcomes outsiders and the sinners, right? That's what the, the chapter opens with. Right. Keep that in context and go, okay, that's what this parable is about. Jesus is speaking up and giving you a glimpse of the nature and character of the father toward the outsider, toward yeah. the sinner. The yep. one. People, people sitting at the table at that, at that right. meeting, right? Yeah. Leaning in, listening to this conversation as Jesus tells the stories of the sheep and the coin and the son. And I think, yeah, so w- w- the question revolving around, is that really how we're supposed to parent our kids? I think, well, there does come a point where your children are old enough to make their own decisions. They are old enough to walk sure. They are old enough sure. to go, gosh, okay, well... I've raised you, I've pointed you in a direction um, that I think is the right way and is godly. And if you choose to go and live another life, yes, it will absolutely break my heart. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, of course. And clearly the father had the broken heart. He's waiting on the porch. He's filled with compassion. Yeah. Yes. But love isn't coercive. You know? no. Yeah. So there is something to going, I do allow you to have your freedom and yeah you can make your autonomous choices and those choices have massive consequences they come sure. yeah. yeah absolutely i yeah as, as i was studying that passage so, uh, a friend of mine called and says my teenager and and so that that passage was i was i literally just got done reading and i and i said well uh <laughs> i've been reading this so yeah, I need to follow up with them, but I, I think they just relinquish control and step back and let the teenager make oh, some yes. very poor decisions. Uh, yes, well, you know, yeah. as long as they're eighteen and under my roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another, yeah. Another, um, yeah. There's another law in place, but there does come a time where they yeah. they do leave and right. choices, just like you and I. You know. Yeah. 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 So uh, now, little transition now. So, as as a pastor, you know what what does what does reckless love look like in the midst of community in gospel community towards one another? Mm. What does what that what does that look like? What do yeah. you what do you teach your people? Yeah. Um, well, when it comes to the nature of the reckless love of God, we're talking about compassion, mm-hmm. patience, kindness things like that. So for me personally, like 
when it comes to like pastoring people, yeah. um, like Martin Luther said, you can never be too gentle with a sheep and you can never be too harsh with a wolf. Right. And so like the test of a pastor for me is, is in the realm of gentleness, patience, and compassion toward sheep. Sure. Jesus looked on the crowds, right? And they were harassed and helpless, right? Like sheep without a yeah. shepherd. Yeah. That ought to be a foundational piece for any pastor's theology and approach to yeah. ministry is gentleness, patience, kindness, compassion, truth-telling, correction, yeah. acting like a real shepherd. Watch so, them I, right? Yeah. So it's like you don't you don't beat the sheep. You don't you don't kick the sheep. You don't yeah. the sheep. You're not ugly to the sheep. So for all the good things that you can learn about pastoral ministry when it comes to homiletics and hermeneutics and pastoral care strategies and systems and structures and budgets and finance and blah, blah, blah all these other things, yeah. leadership pipeline and all these all these other wonder yeah, great. All important. All important things. But you don't have gentleness at the heart of what you're doing day in and day out. I think, I think God is deeply grieved. And I think yeah. deeply sure. Grieved. A great disservice. Pizza for sale. Pizza for sale. Oh, no, thanks, sir. Thank you. That's cool. I never had a pizza guy just come up and offer me pizza. There you go. Pizza for sale. It's a little hot for pizza. Yeah. So, but anyway, gentleness. But that's that's when I'm talking like as a as a pastor, you, you will have you will have you know people show up with the same broken problem again and again. Sure. Sure. You go okay. Well, I'm going to keep telling you the truth, but I'm going to continue to be gentle. Um, and so I yeah. think that's you know it's easy to give up on people. It's easy to get mad at people. It's easy to get disappointed. It's easy. To get- oh yeah you know and start trying to control people and that's not what we've been called to do we're not no. called to control people we're called to lay down and die for the people right we're yes. called to care for the people right the acts 20 care for the flock right the jesus purchased jesus oh, yeah. died the holy spirit made you an overseer you got two members of the trinity are mentioned yeah. in relation to my job on a daily basis, Jesus died for them. Right. The Spirit made you an overseer. Respond now. Now respond toward oh, yeah. this person's problem or this person's huge success or whatever they're navigating in life. So for me, it's a whole lot of it has to do with gentleness and compassion. Yeah, I'm far more impressed by that stuff. Um, I feel far more inclined to believe that that is the, the measure of what pastors are called to do. And I know, I know be fruitful. I know be faithful. Like, yeah, I, I got it. all the other, I know all the other things here in popular evangelicalism that I think are in many ways good. It's just, yeah. When I look at the end of my life, I will want to have been a patient and gentle you and me both brother i read a meme the other day that said uh be super patient with people god has been super patient with you yeah. so i think about my kids when i read that and i was like gosh he is so he, he is, is so gentle he is so patient yeah. and i experienced god's patience through my son um i have four kids how about you i have two nice yeah 
gosh, what a sanctifying experience, right? Yes. So we talked about freedom. We talked about community. Um, this reminds me, speaking about love, it, uh, I heard this quote from Tim Keller in the book, uh, The Meaning of Marriage. He says this, uh, because there's a relationship between being loved and being known. And I've seen that all over the place, not just with, with Pastor Keller. But he says, he says this, um, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. Yeah. So when I talk about in, in community groups, um, hey, guys, uh, you can't be fully loved unless you're fully known. Why do you think that is that, that the majority response to that is, well, you mean like this is the like defensive posture comes up and it's like, wait, wait, so wait, wait a minute. You're going to, so why would you want to know everything about me? And I don't, I think that's way too much. And I think, no, 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 your wife shouldn't know. She shouldn't know everything. Right. And uh, so where's that, where do you think that's coming from? And what do you think's the way ahead if, if, if reckless love in communities can, if it is related you can't recklessly love that person unless you fully know that person. I can't receive their reckless love unless they know me. What's the way ahead on that? And we response pastorally to that. Yeah, I think we, I think we tend to want to, you know, throw up a wall anytime we experience shame. Guilty. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's Genesis three, right? You start covering up and hiding and blame shifting and pointing Right to somebody else. That's Genesis three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I ate the fruit, but you know, the the snake made me do it. Yeah. Well, it's this woman you gave me, and like everybody's blame shifting, looking at the floor, hiding behind a bush. Like that's the idea. Yeah. The moment, the moment when we feel shame, we naturally want to go to a place of of comfort and not feeling vulnerable and not feeling like. Because, quite honestly, so many of us have experienced shame, and uh, there was no restoration on the back side of experiencing shame. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, like, sometimes in church contexts, when someone confesses their sin, uh, it is now they're punished for it. So the, we oftentimes have a wonky version of church discipline and we think sure. it's when it's supposed to be restorative. Yeah. So, so when someone said like, goes, I don't want to share my junk with anybody. Why? Well, because I'm going to get swatted down or I'm going to be pushed out or I'm not going to be included. I'm something comes up. I'm not allowed to be involved. Like, you know, so once we, yeah, Experience shame. Why do we throw up the wall? Because we don't think we're going to actually be embraced. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be. We're we're going to be too gross, too bad, too offensive, too sure. ugly, too whatever to be in this in this space anymore. Exactly. So how so how do we foster an environment that's so safe that the walls come down and that we that we're we're cultivating that that mm-hmm. community. Mm. Uh, where we're loving each other because we know each other. Yeah. Uh, it's get, Somebody's always going to have to go first. Yeah, there you go. Someone's going to have to go, go first. Someone's just going to have to lead in it. Someone's going to absolutely just have to go, okay. <laughs> I believe that 
practicing honesty, transparency, vulnerability, yeah. both sure. pointing out where I don't have it all together. Yeah. I think that when, if I'm willing to do that, I honestly think I'm going to grow. Yeah. I'm going to grow. God will be glorified. And my friend, I think, I think this will deepen my relationships because nobody like, yeah. So that's going to, once I'm convinced of that reality, yeah. yeah, somebody has to go first. Absolutely. I don't have it together. And you've yeah. been in, yeah. like I have too, I've been in Bible studies where people are like, hey, where somebody has just said, hey, I'm really struggling with whatever it is. Right, right. My family is like this, or I've got this addiction, or I've got this work, or my relationship with so-and-so, whatever it is. Yeah. And you experience that where that immediately others go, you know, me too, dude. Like I, yeah. I'm in that space or I have something else going on, or, you know, I just came through something very similar. Let me tell you what God taught me in that. Yeah. Whatever yeah. It is, those moments happen. So it's going to take somebody just going, sure. I'm going to get my identity from Jesus and the gospel. Right. I am going to lean into it, knowing that my justification is not writing on what my friends think about me in this moment. Because I can live out of my truest identity in Christ, I can go ahead and point to where I don't have it together and say, this is what I need prayer for. I need you guys to encourage me in this area of my life or hold me accountable to these things, whatever, like to go, because my justification is not writing on it. Yeah. Because, don't, because my shame has been nailed to the cross, because that's the truth, I, oh, yeah. I can step into this space and go, yeah. here's where here's where I need some prayer or encouragement or whatever. So, but it's going to take somebody that actually believes yeah. the gospel degree that's willing to risk it in that moment. Yeah. The gospel is so freeing. Mm -hmm. if it, if it <laughs> so what about in marriage? What about yeah. if one spouse is like, you know what? I don't want to know all of you, you know, just keep it just to share with one of your buddies or, you know, mm -hmm. or vice versa. A uh, uh, husband saying, Hey, keep it to your ladies. Yeah. We stifle yeah. love in that relationship. I think that's a, I think that's a, I know, I know what people are talking about. Yeah. In those moments. Like when I have a guy come to me and tell me, Hey man, I'm struggling with looking at pornography. Sure. Those kinds of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, for me personally, like I would just go tell Janet. Yeah. Yeah. I would just go tell it. Yeah. And just, See, and fearless. just run the risk of heartaches, heartbreak, but there's no, that I just like personally, like I hear like if I, yeah. if I can't imagine, I can't imagine sinning against my own soul, against God, against my wife. Yeah. Wait and go, and I'm just going to not tell my wife. Like, yeah. So, no, yes. no, 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 and I know it's going to crush her. I know it's the worst thing ever, right. I know, but I can't possibly just think, well, I'll go tell my friend about it. And hopefully my friend is going to hold me accountable to never doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. You know what will hold you accountable? That kind of honesty and transparency, the person with whom you're actually in a covenant with. Which that's is right. So for me, yeah. So yeah, that's that's how I would roll. 
Yeah, I, I no, like how you would roll, and I, no I'm, I'm right there. <laughs> yeah. No secrets. Yeah. Whatever it costs. Whatever. That's how right. Simple that feels. Absolutely not. Just absolutely not. Yet. Yeah, that is a great high point. And plus, I got the cheap version of Zoom, so it's going to cut us off here pretty soon. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but like, man, that is so good. I, I, I feel like I got born again 2013 when I read my wife all the way in. And, and then that, that night we had no secrets mm. and people thought we were crazy. Uh, they were like, yep. That's when, that's when our relationship began. That was like seven years into the marriage. That's, that's when life began. And then we became fearless. And all of a sudden these couples, these people would show up at our doorstep, like literally. Uh, and, and, and I told, I told Jeanette, I said, I can't, the Lord did so much ministry through us all these years. I can't imagine what he's going to do tomorrow now that we're, now that this fear is not crippling our relationship. And yeah. so with that, brother, we'll have to end here pretty soon. Um, let me close with some, some random question. Uh, what's your favorite Johnny Cash song? Oh, man. Um, I know you're a Johnny Cash guy. <laughs> gosh, that's a really gosh, that's a, um, sorry it ended with a hard one no, I, I love I, I, I love recently I've really enjoyed going back to I'm so lonesome I could cry okay um, like the saddest Hank Williams Johnny Cash thing. yeah yeah that reminds me because I, I was going to say Hurt I, I just really like listening to Hurt like, like, <laughs> gosh yeah it's so yeah. all yeah. this cover stuff is wonderful um yeah, but I mean, gosh, dude, that's like the impossible. I mean, yeah. yeah. All right, brother. Well, well, if you if you want could leave us and our and, and our listeners with anything, uh, what's your parting words from Alex Early? Yeah, um, I'd say three things really quickly. Uh, define all of your wealth and your relationships. So define your wealth relationally with. Your spouse, your kids, your friends, if those categories apply to the listeners, define your wealth relationally above everything else. Um, two, Jesus is gentle above everything. Yes, he's Lord King in Christ, but for those who walk with him daily, will experience him in his gentleness. Uh, and the last thing, uh, strive to live and die in a state of gratitude. Nice. Yeah. All right, one last request. Would you, would you pray? Would you close our time in prayer? And then I'm going to hit stop here on the record button. You bet. Right. Father, thank you for today and for our time together to talk about you, uh, your nature, your love, your care, and your compassion. Would you help us to walk with you yes. and be mindful of your presence dwelling within us today, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Pray these things in your good name. Amen. Amen.